Hey, what is up, everyone? This is Journey to the Eats podcast, the food podcast, where me and my guests talk about food, our love for food, and everything in the name of food. This is your host, Sid, and welcome to the show. For today's episode, we have Michael Anthony, and we're going to talk about draft punk, Southeast Asian cuisine, and the highs and lows of opening up a food business. Enjoy the show. Um, before I start, man, I, I gotta ask, what was your last meal before this podcast? My last meal was a chahan, a Japanese fried rice. I tried to eat healthily um, last night. Japanese fried rice and eggplant. Oh, and um, no, I didn't eat that healthy because I had some sisig as well. We cooked a cup of bang and sisig because um, the eggplant wasn't enough. So that's is, what my is last this, meal was. Is this the sisig that you all you make in um, in draft punk yes it is um you know so our seasick there um the seasick i had i made for myself last night was a cup of pang and salsa. so how they do it right it's they get the the pork mass the cheeks the face mm-hmm. the ears whatever they boil it they grill it and they just mix it with liver and onions and the soy sauce is on the side the calamansi is on the side um what we didn't do it what we did do in draft punk instead was we added a bit of mayo, a bit of uh, egg on it, you know, um, soy sauce, everything mixed in and served sizzling. Um, and I think the filler, the Cebuanos prefer that to how I prefer to eat it. Oh my God. The legendary seasick. Um, I've heard a lot about yeah. seasick. Um, oh, really? I've Good talked to, to like, um, I talked to like three people. Uh, and yeah, three people in the podcast, and they've all mentioned about draft punk. Sadly, oh. be, like with the what was going on in draft punk, it's either I was here in the U.S. or I was yeah. in um I was in Manila, or um it was draft punk wasn't there yet when I was in college. In I was in Chicago. Right. I went to college 2011 to to 2015 in Cebu. But so I was I wasn't sure if you know <laughs> I wasn't aware no. about it. <laughs> yeah, we, we opened like towards the end part of 2017, and so. you know before our <laughs> we used to have like crispy chicken skin and chicharron on it, um, <laughs> and they were so hard to come by. Chicken skin and chicharron, um, good chicharron was like gold. I know it's Cebu, but mm-hmm. to find the right one was so hard to uh, to source. So we had to omit it from sprinkling the. Ch- you know, crispy chicken skin and chicharron on top of it. <laughs> oh man, like people have been raving about um, the seasick. Sadly, uh, sadly, I haven't tried. I haven't even went to Draft Punk because all those things, you know, it's either I'm in Manila or I was here or maybe you know, when I was in Cebu, or, um, right. you know, I was still, it was like 2015. But like now, my wife's in Cebu, and I will be going back to Cebu, and hopefully, I get to get that. Oh, when are you gonna? When are you gonna be um coming back to Cebu? I'm going back in July. Awesome, man. Let me know. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'm leaving for Manila in um, yeah. June. I'll be back July, and so come on over, and we'll cook yeah. you awesome. Oh my god! For people who are listening, if you do, you guys don't know about Draft Punk. It's um we'll we'll talk more about that one as we go on with this um this interview, but. It's just to recall about my past um, episodes. Uh, it was, there was the food. Obviously, it was. They always say the three things. It was the food was bomb. It was the vibe, and it was the parking. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 the parking. Because <laughs> it's so hard to park into the movie. Yeah. So they always say the food was bomb. It's bar. It's bar food. You know, if you think about it, it's bar food, and obviously, yeah. if it, it if it is bar food, it will always go hand in hand with good drinks. And with good right. drinks, it has to have this good vibe going on. You know, I've no, talked, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've talked to people from um, uh, Pakal Cebu. I've talked to my oh, classmate yeah. um, Kyle Wong, who performed oh, there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, <laughs> you know, yeah. before the pandemic, um, the Wong boys, right? Before yeah. the pandemic, um, it it was such a huge venue for musicians, and we'd we'd host uh, I, uh, the most brilliant musicians of Cebu, and um, uh, man, it, we would fill up until the end of the parking lot and it was crazy and now because of the pandemic it's we're just takeout and delivery and now we're renovating and um yeah but the vibe is really awesome and our our, our partner my partner um rachel lewin um she's also an interior designer so she designed it in a way where it was very warm cozy you know very inviting and very relaxed chilled out you know yeah and th- that's what they've always been saying you know like you have to check out draft punk like oh my god why haven't i like i've heard about it when i was in manila but i was in manila (laughs) i was only seeing videos like wow this place is amazing but it sucks that i have never been there but when i was in cebu it it wasn't there yet (laughs) oh man don't worry in july we'll make it up to you and we'll we'll, we'll, you know yeah for sure but let's take a step back let's take like us take a step back and um let's start with where your food journey actually began you know um um, i've talked to chefs as well i've talked to people who who love to eat and i've talked to people who are actually sometimes picky eaters and everyone has some sort of food journey and where they are right now um how where did your food journey start and okay a great question um so i started um i think when i was three five years old um after i got to Manila from Jakarta, um, I, I started baking, you know, those pre-packaged mix of Betty Crocker brownies and cookies. <laughs> so I started with that. And I started selling that to to our construction workers for like 25 centavos. Um, so I was losing so much money, but I didn't really care because I was enjoying doing this and they were for our, for our workers. Um, so that's where it started. And then I remember a few, few years later, the first, I guess, gourmet dish I ever cooked was a paella. Um, I had this old Spanish cookbook, and I'm like, let's let's try doing this. And I, I probably wasn't good, but I don't know. Um, and it and it started there. And when I moved to the states, um, my my roommate, uh, my my uncle, um, he was such a great cook, and I'd watch him cook, and I'd kind of emulate um, emulate him. And he'd do, we'd give him twenty bucks, and then he'd feed like six, eight people for twenty bucks back in '96. And, and I think it's those experiences that made me just keep on cooking. When I moved to New York, I'd love to host dinners for people all over the world. And what I do is I find out where they're from and then I'd cook their cuisine. And by doing so, I got very well versed in, I guess, ingredients and, and, and cooking food from around the world. And so when you go to Draft Punk, there's South, you know, there's Southeast, it's Southeast Asian um, right now. Um, and then after the States, I got back to Manila. I was in the family business. And my girlfriend at that time, uh, she worked for this Indonesian call center, and she was Indonesian. And she was telling me how everything they have, they're given for free. All their meals are free for like twice a day. And I'm like, what? 
how's that possible? I'm like, yeah, you know, um, we buy the meals for 180, 220 pesos. And, um, you know, you'll do 2,000 meals a week, I think, or yeah, two, 3,000 meals a week. And so she got me and she was helping me with how to cook Indonesian food. And we were doing this um, for, for over a year. And it was two weeks out of the month where we'd cater Indonesian food, but 24 hours a day. And I just had one or two other staff with me and it was just the most chaotic, <laughs> stressful. It was just tiring, but it was the best thing I've ever done. And so that started me professionally. And right after that, I moved to Cebu. My partners, my, my best friends, they wanted to open DraftPunk and they took me on board and I've been here ever since. So that's how it all, all started. Oh, man. And with your journey, were you ever trained professionally? Oh, no. Okay. No, no, I wasn't. I taught myself how to cook. Like for college, I I, um, I took up international management, marketing and psychology. And you know how it is sometimes when you go to college sometimes or <laughs> what you end up doing later on in life is completely it's a, different. A different. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I, I think I should have gone to, you know, to, to culinary school. And, um, but no, I had no formal training. Um, my, my training was the Food Network at that time. And then reading a lot of recipes and cookbooks and trying to figure out how to make it my own. Um, so that was the training I had. <laughs> and then your cooking um, experience with uh, the Indonesian um, like catering right. thing was like your trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even DraftPunk, it was our first restaurant. Everything was was just, we were just experiment, experimenting. We were just trying everything out for the first time and seeing if we could do it. Um, DraftPunk, for the first six months, almost a year, man, um, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I'll tell you, we were doing sales of six, 800 pesos a night, sometimes 300 pesos. It was fucked up. It was completely, <laughs> I don't know if I can throw it. It was completely messed up. And, um, and that's how it became a bar with good food instead of um, a restaurant with good music. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. And I think there's a big difference it, between yeah. the two. So we started um, having musicians, having bands, and that made everything blow up. And it went from, you know, 300, 800 pesos a night to just something we we couldn't believe. Like, wow, this is this is awesome, you know. And and then the pandemic hit, and so <laughs> here we are now. <laughs> oh man, um, that that the story of like having 600 pesos to something where where you're witnessing something beautiful. So there's something going on definitely in yeah. draft punk. But have you ever? Was it something that you wanted to say that, oh, this is going to be my first restaurant and I'm just going to, you know, just try it? Or was it something that you really put into great detail? You know what? Like, this is going to, you know, this is going to blow up. I know it's it's just it's going to take time. Or was it something um, like you just want to test the waters? I, I think it was a bit of both. So when they um, when they invited me um, to cook for, uh, to cook at the Draft Punk and be a partner with them. I said, sure. And none of us knew anything about the restaurant industry. I mean, nothing. I had a, I had a hotel background in the States aside from, you know, finance and, and, um, my other partners, Farley was, um, he studied economics. Rachel was an interior designer. So we had no idea. All we know is we, we love good food. We love good food. And I, they knew I could cook well and they're like, let's just see how this works. And, but we had no idea what it was going to amass into, um, we, we had no idea. And so until now, we're learning. I mean, we're learning. Like, a, a, a really good chef will, will prioritize the inventory and all the operations. Until mm -hmm. now, I'm not so good at that. Um, but we learn as we, as we go along. 
and it gets better and better, you know, um, and you get smarter at it. And, mm-hmm. and then you realize there's new problems. You're like, wait, I don't know that much at all. So you keep on learning as the journey <laughs> continues. That's amazing, man. But uh, with you guys with no experience with being in a professional kitchen, you know, in, in the restaurant game um, and seeing Cebu and what was it like 2017? Did you guys ultimately like had to pick Cebu as a destination because of like, is there a reason for it? Or it was just, you know, you just really wanted to be in Cebu. No, there was, um, the reason for it was, um, so our partner, um, Rachel, I've known her since college. We're all like family. Um, she's really from Cebu and um, they, they own Mango Square. And so um, she wanted to open up a chill kind of place. And um, they didn't want to do it in Manila, but they already had the space in, in, in Mango. And she wanted to transform Mango from how it was before, which was, you know, there was a lot of um, prostitution. Like a, there was like a, a red light madness. district. <laughs> red light district. Like, it was really maddening. And so she wanted to do a whole rebranding, and I, she successfully did it. And uh, by putting up DraftPunk, it completely changed the landscape of what Mango is, is now. And so there was really no choice and no other option. And I was so excited to be in Cebu and get away from Manila for a while. And, you know, by being here, I could explore all the other islands nearby. And I thought that was a great thing and discover the food of Cebu. Oh, I see. And yeah. I didn't know about that. That's that's amazing because um, I have a different idea with um, Mango Mango Square. Because I yeah. remember when, um, when before I went to Manila, I, I, I was born in Cebu. Stayed out, stayed until I was like in the third grade or fourth grade, and I remember it was like the first time Mango Square popped up. It was like two thousand three, two thousand four. It was it was nice. It was a beautiful place. So I remember, um, yeah, like my friends from Sacred Heart would hang out there, and then suddenly I went to Manila and never heard about Mango Square yeah. for like yeah. ten plus years. And then when I come yeah. came back, it's like. Oh, this is Mango Square. <laughs> right, yeah. It was it's like a culture shock, right? Like what happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like it was something beautiful. I remember like we were play or we would, you know, go there and play magic cards in, in Mango Square. It's like, ooh, it's like this this looks a little sketchy. And then I went to college. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Dude, where where did you stay in Manila? I stayed in Las Piñas. Ah, okay, like near Alabang area, yeah. Yes, very near Alabang. So it's very um, uh, wasn't busy. It's like a lot of home BF, BF, like BF. Yes, right, right, right. Yeah, so that kind of thing. So it's a little mellow. Yeah, and stayed there for quite a few, like almost like my formative years. So when I came back to the Philippines to Cebu, I was already in college. It's like oh, Mango Square. It's like whoa. <laughs> can, I, can i ask you a quick question and i'm very curious about this just a quick question um sure man where where do you prefer the food better in in, in manila or in cebu oh my god uh, i have questions yeah i've, I've heard this question before yeah. but um hmm, i think like ultimately if i consider everything if i consider yeah. everything all aspects of it um i would right now i would consider Manila. Um, Manila because it edges out with the entirety of of what Filipino cuisine should be or the right. evolve the involvement of Filipino cuisine or even not just Filipino food and like you can get whatever right. you need to have in Manila. Right. 
right right that that's what edges it out but um i was a little i was when i was thinking about it it's because it was hard because there are still things that cebu gets top notch and there's no no one else could kind of like battle it out you know when we talk about when talk about lechon like like yeah Manila has no business talking about lechon like that's I completely agree with you on that one. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, if they talk about the barbecue scene, you know, I know Bacolod has their own thing, Manila has right. their own thing, but Cebu yeah. for me is still like, you know, right. they're battling. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah. Definitely, absolutely number one. <laughs> I agree. I, and I think that the, the the local food, the Carinderia food, um, I don't know if you've tried the Slobua, like mm-hmm. these things that you can't find anywhere else in the Philippines. Um, I mean, even just the carinderias here, like it's they're so good. And I, I'll eat in restaurants sometimes, but I would prefer to eat like it's street food, just carinderias, because it's so good. Like if you know where to go, um, it's really, really amazing, man. You know, so I have a few of my favorite carinderias, and that's where I get inspired here. Like um, if I would come up with a new new dish or something Filipino, I'll go to these carinderias, and that will completely inspire me to doing something. Oh my, that's you know, totally, that's totally, totally true, man. And then, yeah. and there's just these dishes that even no, no matter what, how like people in Manila would replicate, they just couldn't, you know, I haven't right. tried and I've tried in an unan, no, oh, yeah. else, but no one is, no one can make in an unan except like the Cebuanos, like hands oh, down, it's best. so good, you know, you know. <laughs> the first time I tried it, I was locked down in Bantayan Island, mm-hmm. and it had the freshest seafood. And my my girlfriend made me um this inon una, and I'm like, what is this? Like, because I ate so much rice, I'm not even joking. You like, it was so amazing how how they do it, and no other place can replicate. It. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That that's like that's my thing. But you know, like if you think about the the Filipino food in where you would expect to have it everywhere, like the adobos, the the sinigangs, right. and Right. The, the silogs you know i right. i know for sure that there's still things that cebu has to catch up with like for, for example like definitely dim sum you could get, get it in cebu anywhere like you know that just the even to the fact that cebu has its own like dim sum hybrid right right yeah right <laughs> yeah like it has that it has that thing yeah. that you know, shomai in every corner. You don't have that in Manila. <laughs> no, we don't. No, not like how Cebu has it. Like yeah. there's one right by a restaurant, like <laughs> right outside of Mango, and it's you know it's always packed and everything. Um, yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yes, yeah, and Cebu has that. Like you know, like from the very Chinese influence shomai to like the shomai tatisa to the the shomai yeah. tigtres. Like you don't have that anywhere yeah. else. But that's a, no man, not a, not at all. And <laughs> yeah. that's what I love about Cebu. You know, like uh, people this I think this it for in terms of their other food aside from their lechon and chicharron but um it's one of the best places to just go on a food trip mm-hmm. i think yes the, yeah. the paklai the lanshao there's nothing like that but then yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah, balbakwa and nothing like that but then and you know why i ultimately decided you know manila was like um there's still not a place that i could find a good sinigang even if when I right. talk about Sinigang, not a lot of people. And it, I, my my wife's from Cebu. I like my 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 dad's from Manila, but my mom's from Cebu. Yeah. When, it, when we always eat Sinigang at home, but then I never knew it was it was it wasn't something that you would normally see. Like when I right. ask again, when I asked my 
you know, friends from grade school, from high school. Do you guys eat sinigang? Like, these are like, like really Cebuanos. Like, yeah. they never do or like they do no, it rarely. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, yeah. I thought that was like a normal Filipino thing. But apparently... Right? Like all around the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. No, I guess it's not, right? Because here they have it as larang. And it's, a, it's, mm. it's, it's similar, but not the same, I mean, to sinigang, you know? Yeah, it's... it's yeah. And then, you know, the 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 especially the silog i um yeah i i i had to fight it like even the best type of i, I know um silogani gian is like really like people would fear that in in, in cebu yeah. but like no nah, no nah, man this this isn't this is this isn't top silog you no can't. no not at all man like I, i'm with you on that one like you know rufos in manila and papa yeah. king and all that like wow, yeah that. i i do like you can't call this Silog, if there's no sinangang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> people was like, oh, this is like this is the best. I know top silog, like for real, man. Like I, I've been Manila for like eight years, and yeah, even like the lowest of the low, like this, no. this wasn't this wouldn't compare to it. Absolutely, that's like my criticism with you know mm-hmm. with the, with the silog, and then with the you got that Paris. I know like there's a new pop up <sighs> thing Paris, like. I yeah. wish, I wish like there's like you know when I was partying and back in college like at three o'clock like man I would think about it like man I wish there was like a Paris Paris here in Cebu like just get that Paris with the sinang with the sinangag at three right. a.m. like with that and then the soup on the side but uh-huh. dude you know what just to digress a bit talking about Paris so we came up with a really it took me a really long time to come up with really good bodice and so we put it in our menu and no one really knew what the fuck it was so <laughs> i was there in the menu for six months to no one was ordering it except for the people who knew what it was mm-hmm. and they completely loved it but we had to take it out of the menu because no one really ordered like what's bodice what <laughs> and so i mean we're we're in cebu my one of my partners um is from here the other one's from um pampanga so we didn't really know what the Cebuano taste was was like and what they knew and what they didn't. We thought it's gonna be a hit. No man. <laughs> wow. So so disappointed with such good Paris is like the best hungover food at 3 a.m., yeah, 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, the best, man. Hmm. And um I, I guess that's what what's that's what's different about Manila and Cebu. And you know, Manila, you have the Paris here, you have the Shomai everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of stuff. And I, I guess yeah, it's a Manila, yeah. I think all these regions are there now. Yeah, that, yeah, that's my thing. Like, I like sometimes like when I'm in Manila, I miss th- I I kind of miss the shomai. I miss the you know the 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 ginabot and all that. But when I'm in yeah. Cebu, like oh my god, I, it's four a.m. I'm just so drunk. I need my pares. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you, man. I love pares. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back. Draft punk man, like with the sure, conceptualization yeah. of bar food, you know, and right. um, it's you know the staples of the seasig, you know, like we have that, and and I'm pretty sure you guys have that 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 um have that to the T, and right. um, but what may I know? There's a lot of you know people have already been talking about the evolution of the seasig, and, and right. how it differs, but. A lot of people do really rave about you you seasick and what makes it different, man, or what makes um, it you know like people really love it uh, that's a good question you know I mean, I've tried a lot of seasick here too, and 
I'm not saying it doesn't compare to ours, but it tastes different. And I, I think the way we prepare it, I think everything that we do is based on intention, meaning when we when we cook something, when we conceptualize our food, um, there's a lot of intention behind it. And we won't put anything out and, unless um, me and Farley and Rachel um, think it's pretty awesome, you know. And then we'll let people try it. So the way we do ours was we, we did it the Kapampangan way, and we just added a few extra things, like adding, adding an egg, um, adding just a really little pinch of, like, mayo, little soy sauce, and... You know, and but you know, by boiling the sea sig until it's super soft and then grilling it mm-hmm. until there's charred bits to it, and you know, it's just rightly salted, and then you saute it with everything else, it just comes together great. And I, I think a lot of places um, don't put that much intention or care into making it really good. And I think by doing that, you lose they lose their profit margins, you know, and us. Uh, we'll sacrifice that a bit just as long as it tastes good. So I think I think that's where our, the taste of the seasick comes in. It's, it's with the, from the intention of it to make it as best as good as we can. I think. Yeah, and um, I remember, man, seasick wasn't a thing in Cebu. I would say like five years ago, or like yeah, well, probably like 2015. Really? Yeah, it wasn't really. Wow. It, people do eat it, you know. People know about it, but it's not it's not widely available you know uh right. i know like i remember it was it wasn't i it's not something you would see in a carinderia in, right in, right in, absolutely in Cebu, you know in, in right. manila you would see it you know at times right. yeah, definitely you can see it in every like bar or or like you right. know in a, a restaurant of some sort you could definitely see that one but if it but in manila you could definitely see you know cc you know and yeah but back now probably you know some some carinderias or some restaurants already have c6 so there's already this this market for it then right and um we have some people just <laughs> like uh, i'm not gonna say well but <laughs> they make they put c6 in a bad day <laughs> you know they they do man and, and, and that's the thing that they put it on their menu because it'll sell without any and and uh, this is and i wouldn't say what bothers me but I, it confuses me like the They'll put it in the menu just because it'll sell. It doesn't taste good, but they'll sell a lot of it just because it's seasick and it goes great with with beer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Um, they say, "Why is it seasick?" But there's no tanga. Why is this just fat? Oh my God. It's just all fat, right? <laughs> there was the cartilage. Where's that? I need a little <laughs> bit of that cartilage. <laughs> Why is this like chopped pork belly? This is not seasick. Exactly. <laughs> you know, some of the seasicks I've seen here are just all mayo, and it's a sweet, the cheap sweet mayo that. Uh, Mm-hmm. like from angel's burger and i'm like this is not seasick at all but i mean i see a lot of people ordering it so yeah <laughs> fascinating yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah that, that's just something that's it's crazy but i know your you guys as well has um have this southeast asian fusion going on how did that decision come about you know um that before too um people think we're fusion but i don't i don't think we are um because the way we cook is very traditional and, and, and classical so um i was i was raised in indonesia in jakarta um then i got into this indonesian catering thing that i said and um we we put that together in, in the menu because we, we love the flavors of singaporean uh, food malaysian indonesian thai vietnamese so we weren't really in doing a fusion thing we just had those things in the menu um and 
and sold it as such. But I guess maybe because it was a mix of all different Southeast Asian cuisines, people thought it was fusion. The, the few fusion, fusion things we had, um, which again, this fascinates me. We, we had this lumpia, um, but instead of the wrapper, a lumpia wrapper, we wrapped it in chicken skin and then we, we deep fried it. And, um, and that's another thing, right? Um, it, it was amazing. It was really good. People didn't really know what it was, so they weren't really ordering it. And probably it's the name we came out with, you know, we should have come up with a better name. Um, and then we had the lengua hatch, you know, and lengua skewers, and people were terrified of lengua. I'm like, why? It's one of the best things ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And and so it, it, it's not really a fusion per se. It's just serving a... You're just serving different... Um, Different and, and, and I think the reason why they think it's fusion, yeah, exactly. And I think the reason why they think it's fusion because we're a bar serving food that's not really known. Um, and when they see the menu, like, oh, it's different things, and I, I think that's probably where it, where it came about. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, our, our, I think our food's very authentic. Um, and in fact, like our nasi goreng, our mi goreng, it's straight up Indonesian. And um, now that's what we're very famous for our nasi goreng and our <laughs> mi goreng and satay, it's, it's odd, yeah. Oh, or maybe, maybe maybe because they think it's fusion because you guys are serving different types of cuisines, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. But, oh. I, I think that's how it came about. God, yeah. and and oh my gosh, I, if you guys have like that nasi goreng, I'm definitely definitely gonna sh- um, you know, <laughs> try it out. <laughs> oh, dude, come by, come by, man. We can't wait to we can't wait to have For you. Sure. And what um, it's is it just because you have this you like cooking these types of dishes that's that's why you guys decided to ultimately put it on or is it something that was intentional like we really like the intention of draft punk was to really have different types of southeast asian dishes. um it it was not in the beginning while we were conceptualizing the menu i came straight from this indian asian catering and my again my favorite food at that at this point at that point was um, singaporean malaysian and indonesian um, and so I, I, I came up with a menu with that, um, with that in mind and having a few Filipino dishes and over time it kind of, um, evolved into what it is mm-hmm. now. Um, it was supposed to just be a skewers place. Um, so the, the name of the place is draft punk brewers and skewers. It's, um, craft beer mm-hmm. and, um, all different types of skewers. And before we had all these amazing different kinds of skewers, um, until we had to dumb it dumb it down a bit and make it more accessible not really in terms of pricing but in terms of and i guess that's where the fusion thing came came from because they've never had this kind of barbecue before you know um so the intention was really skewers and we had to expand the menu to have other offerings aside from just bar food like meals so people would come in at 7 p.m um and so that's uh, that's how i think um you know it evolved but in the very beginning the the concept was to have this awesome place with amazing vibes and happy artists and everyone come in to eat good food and you know at, at that time we were thinking what food is good what what am i good at and it was that and yeah so it led it led to this oh yeah you know. just thinking about like southeast asian bar food like that's a, like a thing and also not a thing <laughs> it's right it's, exactly <laughs> like uh like if you think of bar food, you know, you think of izakaya, Japanese bar food. Right. right. You know, it's very, very well defined. But then right. you know, in Southeast Asia, we know we have bar food. We know that obviously the legendary seasick is a bar food, but then Absolutely. there's more to it, you know? And um, right. 
that's it's probably something that has to be revolutionized and something that has to be really you know um um probably shared to a lot of people not just filipino food but southeast asia in in general i agree yeah but i a question have you been to i know you've been in tunisia have you been to bali i have but i you know i've been there like 30 years ago oh because there's there's this i'm not sure maybe you've been there but this uh, it's till this day the best satay i've ever had it's um satay babi guling oh yeah man babi guling oh my god like oh my god like yeah yeah uh, I remember we were, you know, dying because it was so spicy. Right, right. It was something that you just can't stop eating. Like you just can't yeah. stop eating. It's so good, for real. It, Dude, it's like, so good. <laughs> I, I've tried it before, and I've tried their lechon before. The the babi guling, mm, yeah. the, the whole roast chicken. But I don't remember how it tastes like. And I tried to copy this, and it's it's not happening. So I got to keep on trying to, to make it happen. Uh, you know, at one point in Drafok, we had satay, um, satay kambing, and again, no one, no one ordered it. Um, it was one of my favorite things on the menu. But um, Bali has this uh, satay called satay lilit, and I think it's like this uh, ground chicken, or it could be ground fish. And they put it in a lemongrass, and then they, you know, they clump it up and stick it together. Oh, dude, that's amazing! <laughs> and they have this duck, this bebek betutu. I don't know if you tried it when you were there. No, no, dude, no. This no. Is like, <laughs> I get. I forget what it tastes like, but I remember it. Just wow, that was that was awesome. Yeah, I, I just had to mention that because, like, you mentioned with Southeast Asian food, like barbecue. Like, I, I I know we are definitely up there when it comes to like barbecue, but it's 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 almost like there's all these are all relatives, you know, the satay or barbecues, like all in skewers, right. all in small pieces, and they're, like right. amazing. But they're, like that Bali when the Bali experience that I had, like, yeah, that was really really. Um, I'm sure it's transcending food-wise, man. Like it's such a, yes. it's such a great, um, and, and they're Hindu, Buddhist or Hindu, Hindu. I completely forget. But oh yeah, there's a lot of um, Hindus and Buddhists. Hindu. Buddhist, yeah. Right, and that's why they eat. They eat pork. It's okay mm-hmm. for them to eat eat mm-hmm. pork, and uh, can get enough pork, you know. And they do it so well. They do it so well. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it definitely was a punch in the face. That's how the flavor came to me. It's like, man, it wasn't subtle at all. It was like. <laughs> but i liked it like, i liked it that way like it made me it made me tear up it made me like you know made me ask for water but hands down still one of the best types of satays i've, I've, I've ever had oh, you know? <laughs> I, I can't wait to go back and after just talking about this i can't wait to go back and just go crazy with a food for game sure, man. <laughs> but um okay. But can you, I'm pretty sure you guys, I've talked to people, you know, during the pandemic, obviously it's really, really rough and people have adjusted to, you know, adjusted to things a little bit. Some people are more focused on delivering, some people focused on um, probably selling their products uncooked and they can just cook at home and all that. But but I want to go back to... Um, the days when you guys were struggling, what was what was it like? Can you can you kind of like, what was like the horrible day or like the one like moments you think like it wasn't gonna you guys weren't gonna make it? Um, dude, that was like basically every day for like eight months to a year. Um, we're like, what are we doing wrong? And you know, we didn't hire we didn't hire a firm to do marketing for us, and we do our own postings on Facebook and and all that. And um, 
we'd come up with all these promotions and, and ideas. Oh, like ladies night, Wednesday, like all you can drink for 200 pesos and still no one would come. Um, and it was when the music started happening, we started getting more and more bands in that they wanted um, to play and then try out the food. Um, that's when it, that's when it took off. But the, the very beginning, man, we, since we didn't know what we were doing, we changed the menu so often. Like we knew we had our tables. Okay, maybe if we add this, this would work. Um, and there was never a point though, where we thought we were going to give up. Um, we had a feeling, you know what, just give it time to stick by it. And if, if you love it, if you do what you love, that the people will come. Um, and we knew that the food was good. We served, you know, well-priced drinks. They weren't expensive. Um, in the beginning, it was super cheap. And, you know, eventually the people started coming and we started seeing the 600 pesos, 300 pesos, mm-hmm. go up to one, two, one, five, then 3,000, then 5,000. And we're like, oh, then we started getting past the 10,000 mark. Like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. Um, and then we only had um, two cooks and, you know, and two servers. And it was, it's a huge place. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, before the pandemic here, we had like 20 servers and like four or five cooks in the kitchen. Um, but it, it wasn't something where we thought we'd give up, but we were really struggling. We're like, we're going to find a way to make this work. And, and we did. And um, I'm so happy that we did because if we if we quit, then, um, well, I'd be not just sad, but it, it would be such a waste. You know what I mean? It, it it took it took so long, but I think if you stick by it and you, you don't give up, then something good will happen. You know, for sure. It man. would be different if the food and the drinks suck. If the food sucked and the drinks were expensive or no, then you, we have a big problem. That'd be delusional already, right? Um, mm-hmm. But we had the feedback from people that. You know, it's well priced. The food is the food is good, and so like you know, what, just keep on trucking, basically. <laughs> How did the music idea um, come into place? <laughs> Reach out well, because or... we weren't making any sales. Mm-hmm. We weren't making any sales in Mango. It was known as a party place, mm-hmm. and we're like, all right, you know, by the boat, we'll have we'll have the bands come in, um, and uh, we've had DJs, we've had uh, bands, and until we f- we found the right uh, musicians, and um, that would. I guess also make the place. You know how mm-hmm. okay it has a place with amazing vibes. So that I think our, the, our, the choice of musicians had to jive with that. They had mm-hmm. to be in sync, um, and it that's what started the whole music scene. Um, we had to find a way to make sales, and we all love music. Like, okay, let's have to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so like from then until pre-pandemic, two uh, DJs from Japan, Australia, Germany would play on Saturdays, on mm-hmm. Fridays and Saturdays. That's the DJ nights and. We had our main staple of bands, um, and that brought in, and their they brought in their their following, and it just it just took off. It just became a good good place. Yeah, and not just for good music, but good food as well, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and, and and that's a good. I mean, that that's what set us apart from from the others. And we had others try to um, to copy us as well. Like all you know, all these places would copy what we were doing, um, but. I think by having really good food, um, like things that you crave for and done right, you know, that, that helped us out a lot along with the music. Because if I, I think if we didn't have good food, then it'd just be the music. And later on, the music can move somewhere else. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. We're going to find another venue and all that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, with the pandemic, it, people, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and, uh, 
it's been a year and almost like a year and a quarter of this whole thing. Um, what's it like? And what are your plans, man? Okay, good question. But I just want to say one thing before that. I, okay. You know, the question prior to that, um, when we were struggling, I remembered um, our, our some of our cooks left us for, for better paying jobs and one just left us suddenly. And so we trained, I trained our, our waiters, some of our waiters, they wanted, they knew how to cook, um, to be cooks. Oh man, and that was the most stressful. That's when I thought I wasn't going to make it. I was going crazy. <laughs> and um, I'd be in the kitchen too and they'd be helping me out and I'd train them to cook and they would not never get it right, but they think they were a master chef. So they'd mm -hmm. put their own touches to it. And oh, for a while, man. <laughs> For a while, like our food wasn't churning out um, anything. It was good, but it wasn't there. And that's where this, I was. I started struggling. I'm like, okay, I need to find, you're only as good as your team, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so it took, that took about six months to get back on track from that um, mess. Um, but now for the pandemic, it's a, it's a struggle. I mean, it's a struggle, it's, it's a struggle for everyone. Um, what we did was, it's been a liquor band for three months now after the other liquor band. And so we were already open for a while. Then they put the liquor band again in place and we decided to um, renovate the restaurant and turn it into a cafe when the liquor band opens. Not really a cafe, but just for the, for the meantime. Um, and so right now we're just doing grab and food panda. And, you know, it's nothing, nothing like how it was pre-pandemic. You know, it's for sales sure. are so drastically low. And um, and I, should, should, should I be saying this too? But what sucks about it is that it's not really us that's making this, you know, making mm -hmm. profit. It's food panda and grab, dude, they're charging 28% out of your order. And that's your restaurant margin. Oh so gosh. now we're like, how do we, how do we change this around? Mm -hmm. How do we, um, how do you we work, work in this environment? <laughs> yeah. And so we decided um, we're going to come up with a few concepts and, uh, do all takeout delivery based in our draft punk kitchen. So um, we're coming up with a Chino Latino concept called Barrio Chino, which is um, we're going to start with bows and we're going to have like um, Latino, Latino fillings, like a Cuban roast pork inside these bows and have like a, oh a hagao bow, you know, um, I, I can send you uh, pics and, and, and stuff a bit later on, but yeah, so we're doing, we're going to do that. And then we're going to open up some other stuff, you know, the next three, four, four months just to deal with this in environment. Um, because I think the, the, the idea is if we had all these things in draft one, people think it's a bar with good food, not a restaurant. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how can we, it won't really sell. They won't, we're already branded as a really good uh, bar with, 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 good, mm -hmm. with good food. Um, so we're going to come up with new concepts just to digress from that, that model where we're a bar. And sell, and we're going to do a Singaporean concept and sell authentic Singaporean food under you know a different name, and um, that's a struggle we're facing now. And and I, it might be a blessing too, you know, in, the, in this environment. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh. I'm excited, but I'm also scared <laughs> of it. You know. So wait. So the Chino Latino concept is it still the same as draft? You're serving it in draft punk, or are you going to make a no. new? Is it a, a cloud kitchen, a new or a new brick and mortar? No, no. Um, well, eventually brick and mortar, but it's going to operate as takeout delivery from the draft oh. kitchen under the name um, Barrio Chino. Um, so it's going to be completely separate, but made in the same made in the same kitchen. Dude, oh. it took us what, since September 
to make to figure out how to make bows properly. And it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, man. Like it's it's so tedious. And when you finally get it, you're like, okay, okay, we got to train people to do this. And now they're training. Oh my God, it's a pain, but it's, we hope it comes out. We hope it comes out well, man. Like, because um, I, I love my bowels. I love my, I love my gua bowels. Oh my God. I'm yeah. It's going, even going to Binondo, just trying to get, get some bowels. Huh. Yeah. So good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't wait for you to try them when you're here and you give us, um, For sure, and I hope we launch before then, before July. For sure, man. For sure, because man, bows are my thing, especially with with Latino flavors. Oh my god! Yeah, man, like our, our <sighs> Cuban roast pork, and our we have this uh, almost like a Mexican chicken one, um, polio mm -hmm. one. Oh, they're really good, and it, it's crazy how now that's kind of fusion, right? And they and have their own lechon. It really works. What's that? And they have their own lechon. Their their, their lechon is. Well, it's kind of the same as our lechon, but the Cuban lechon is different. <laughs> That's what we do. And it's different. And oh, I'm sorry. I love it so much, but nothing compares to the Cebuano lechon, man. Like, <laughs> something with the pigs here and how they do it. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. So even with the pandemic, you know, it has forced people to change their ways. Um, right. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. Obviously, some people can't make it because of, financial constraints and all that yeah. but you know um that's how sometimes people do um strive against you know against hardships and that's just how we right. how we live you know we, right. and sometimes we have to have ask for help with one another and right you know, and having this new concept of cloud i know there's a lot of concepts of cloud kitchens here in the u.s right. even the discussions of having just one building full of kitchens and that's that's like what they're doing right now you know like right having an amazon and for food <laughs> right, know, that, right. That, yeah that kind of concept it challenged everyone to see food in a different light especially with the deliveries and how it profit yeah. margins and etc but yeah it's it's good like you know for people as well in the philippines to cope up because You have to. There's no. There's no choice. But you have to. There's no choice, <laughs> dude. There's so many restaurants here. Like you, you walk uh, nearby, just literally a block away from us, or like 50 meters away from us, right? In other buildings, there's so many places that have closed down, and um, for us, that was an option. At, at one point, that was that was really there. It was right in front of us. Like we might have to close down, and um, we had to find ways. Like, okay, how can we inc increase our sales? What can we do? And It's really a, nowadays it's a super struggle, but I I, I think that um, if we find a way to evolve, right? And I I think this is what the restaurant industry should do here: find a way to evolve and I, use your creativity, and and might lead you somewhere. You know what I mean? Um, but but it's it's sad, man. You just walk down, you see everything shut. I mean, not just food, like clothing stores. So many places have gone have gone down, and it's what can you do? How, how can you survive? You know? Yeah, you just gotta gotta cope yeah. up, you know. And, and yeah, people don't, but. And they just move on with something else. But if you can, you right. know, you, have, you gotta right. fight for it. But I guess I, yeah. that would be well, probably the last few key takeaways that I want to talk to you about. Like for people who who are like you, who who are not in the field of food, like academic wise, or you know, yeah. they don't have this professional background of of of, of cooking food. But they do have this love for food. 
Right. Um, do you got, do you have like any advice for them? Um, I, like even for me, I, I love food. I love eating food, but I'm not necessarily going to make a restaurant. But there are some people who don't have, um, you know, don't have this cooking background, but they do really want to make a restaurant, even if they were like an accountant in their past life. <laughs> or, um, <laughs> advice for that? Oh, yeah. man. Um, holy shit. Let me tell you, um, this is the hardest industry I've ever been in. I've, I've worked in finance. I, I've worked in um, done banking and in, internet companies in, in the States, the hotel industry. This is the hardest, 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 most difficult thing I've ever done. Um, and I, you know, if you have the fucking balls to do it, like, you know, you won't give up, then do mm-hmm. it. But if you think that you can't hack the work or you might get lazy, then, then you got to stop. Um, see, it's not just about the food, right? It, it's me. I think the food is secondary. Um, and that's why I call myself a good cook, bad chef, because I, I don't know much about being a good chef in terms of your inventory, your, your par values and all this. Mm-hmm. And you need to know that. And if you're setting up a restaurant, um, whether you're an accountant or something and you love food, um, obviously the first, first thing is, is your food good? And you got to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I have a friend and, um, and, and she makes food and, uh, some of her stuff is good. And I'm very brutally honest kind of guy. And I tried some of her, her, her cookies and I'm like, what the hell are you doing selling this? You know, you, you can't just to offer a different product range. And I'm like, no, you let's make it better together and, and, and sell, but this is, you know, not doable. So I think, um, knowing the, the quality of your food, your ingredients, I mean, that's, that's one, and, and know the business. And when, when Draft Punk, before, before the pandemic, we'd get in like sometimes 10 a.m., 11 a.m., but work till 4, 5, 6 a.m. in the morning. And, dude, I had to, um, we'd take turns to count the cash at night. Mm-hmm. And if, if you can't, if you're not that good or you're not that firm with people know how to deal with them because you get things stolen, mm-hmm. glasses will break. And some of these glasses are super expensive. Liquor gets stolen. Like where'd it go? Oh, I don't know. And these are the things you have to deal with on basically a daily, sometimes hourly basis. Right. And, um, if you're willing to go through all that, or if you're willing, you know, that's just the, 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 the restaurant itself. But if you want to be a chef or you want to cook in the kitchen, Oh man, that's a whole different ball game, ball game too. Because and if you want to, if you're going to own it, work in the kitchen as a as a cook or a chef, and then handle everything around you. Oh man, it's I'm lucky I have the best partners in the world, you know, and they do such an amazing job. They let me focus on on the kitchen, and while they do the other more important stuff, I think. Um, so my advice is, uh, if you really want to do it, make sure you're there for the long haul and you don't give up. You know, I mean, yeah, try it out if it's for you, but you'll be wasting a lot of money and a lot of not just money, effort and energy to find out that it may not be for you. And if, but if you're willing to do that, then by all means, go and seek the best advice you can from the people who have been there, from foodies, like real foodies who know good food. Tell them, have them tell you your genuine, their genuine opinion. Is the food really good? And what can be done to make it, you know, better? And man know your marketing, know your accounting, know how to deal with people, know your food. All these small little things have to come together. Yes. And if not, <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> don't even think about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, but but don't get me wrong. It's so much fun. It's it's if you have a love for it, if you really have a love for it, then it doesn't matter how hard it is, right? Because because no matter how, how how difficult anything is, if you love it, it's just it's a pleasure to do it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what it is for us. It's a pleasure to do it because it's we love what we what we do. It has yeah. been a consensus to the people that I talked in this podcast who are chefs. Yeah. They always yeah. say this is the most difficult things that they have to do with their entire lives, you know. And yeah. and I guess it it has to be a hell yes, not yeah. just a yes, you know, not just yeah, like hell okay. Yeah. It has to be a hell yes or a yeah. no. It's either it's one of those two things. It just can't be right. a yes. You know, <laughs> there, there's there's no way in between. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it's either there's no halfway between the gutter and the stars, sort of thing, right? Like it's all yeah. in or all out. But they, they yeah. but they say it. It's also one of the most rewarding things that you know that they have ever done. And um, it's crazy, you know. Some people really are sometimes built like that through fire, through experience. Some people may. may you argue that they were born with that kind of thing but right. being in a restaurant business is no no joke you know no. even if you're in a you know in a high scale of restaurant what do you call it conglomerate or if you're like a right. mom and pop brick and mortar it's still difficult you know it's still yeah but it's i'm pretty sure it's definitely definitely rewarding Thank you know you, 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 you <laughs> no, absolutely it, it really is rewarding and it's you know it's not you put in so much work for little for very little reward but that little reward you know and it's not monetary I mean, for me for me when i have guests and i personally cook for them and just seeing their faces that's why i love to cook i, I love entertaining people i love cooking for people and that's where my reward um comes in and and nothing beats it man like mm-hmm. that makes me so happy that's why i love what i I love what I do. <laughs> same know? man, same me. I cook all the um with me and my wife. I'm the one. I'm the chef, you know. Right, right. Awesome. <laughs> and uh yeah, cook, food is my love language. Cooking for my family that's like really really one of the best things. It's not a tedious. It's a lot of work, but I love doing it, you know. I just yeah. can't do it in a, like a restaurant scale, but you know, <laughs> I I do right. love cooking so much and I for sure it's really really difficult but it's i guess i can I, i can get it you know what you're saying in some aspect it's what the, when they try their when they try your food and they love it and you see that expression in their faces it's right you know, it, it's priceless <laughs> it's priceless i mean you're you're slaving away in the kitchen for six eight hours and so you're the only one in the kitchen you're cooking a six eight course meal or you're just living slaving away for six eight hours just to be rewarded for a one hour two hour meal and everyone being happy and, and for me that's just perfect that's yeah, i mean where sure. else can you get that you know <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you man thank you so much for sharing your time and your story to everyone <laughs> well, thank you for having me man it's it's been feel so lucky thank you my first podcast thank you (laughs) thank you no 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 we'll definitely for people who are listening to this if you're in cebu or people who want to go to cebu try out go to draft punk for sure if ever you can you know if if flights are available or if you are in cebu definitely um if you know when things are open i'm pretty sure you guys can order 
right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, when things get better, when you know people can visit, and you know, definitely check check it out. And is there anything Thank else you so that you want to share, man, for people to shout out to? No, you know what? Um, shout out absolutely my my two partners, Farley David and Rachel Lewin, babe. They make me feel so blessed for allowing me to cook in the kitchen and have just free creativity and doing what I wanted. Um, they make it all the more, so much better. It, it's a reward in its own, you know. And thank you for having me, man. Like, I, we'd love to have you when, you, when you're in Cebu. And we look for you and for the people listening to this and they're in Cebu. When you come to Draft Punk, please let us know you know Sid and we'll take extra special care of you <laughs> oh damn, oh, damn. <laughs> all right man thank you thank you yeah. thank you so much man thank you and thank you, check, them out, thank man. you. Check, check them out check them out